0: What's up, internet friends and family? This is Austin Wade and uh, welcome to my first episode of a podcast I want to start. Doesn't have a name yet. Uh, I don't really want to take any more time to start this than I have to. Also, there's someone mowing their lawn next door and I'm very sorry if that gets into the audio. Super annoying. Um, So the idea with this podcast that I've always wanted to do is just to interview people who are creatives and business owners and freelancers and all that to, oh man, that lawnmower. It's just getting closer. Anyways, I want to interview creatives and freelancers and business owners, like I just said, all that kind of stuff, um, about their journey on the way up. And like, there's a lot of podcasts out there, namely Matt Diavella's, that I watch, The Ground Up Show, that is this lawnmower, Ah. anyways, that is... Kind of about just the general thing, and he, he kind of gets into details about the actual work or the actual, you know, that kind of stuff. But what I feel like there is in a lot of people is this story of trial and of hardship and of really working towards something. Uh, and it's really easy to, holy shit, I picked the worst time to start this. It was fine up until I started recording. You know, this is just how it goes. Um, anyways, there's years, there's so many years of work that goes into a craft or a field that we're a part of that we, you know, that we're, is our ideal goal. Uh, but you don't really get that through a podcast or through an interview. It's, it's really easy to see someone talk about their story and just feel like it happened really fast. You know, it's easy to see their success and be like, well, you're, you know, you make, a quarter million dollars a year and you live your best life and you're super happy and you love your job and you know you know them for that you don't know all of the shit that came before and i think that's something that i want to kind of take out of of this this um perception of people and of the things that we want to be doing it's really easy to get discouraged on our dreams and our you know work and process and all of that when it feels like we've been working at it forever. And it's, it's just not happening. Everyone's gone through that. I mean, you know, you've got your some people that had it pretty lucky that got there quickly without much uh, difficulty. And that's very much an outlier. But I don't think that's communicated very well. I think it's one of these things where we don't like to talk about our failures. And we don't like to talk about all the hard stuff and all the anxiety and all of the self doubt and all of you know, the the months and months of having no money and living on ramen, like it's, it's something that I really want to demystify, I guess. Um, it's, it's really important to me as someone who is a freelancer and runs a business and is trying their hardest to make their dreams work. Um, you know, I'm going through a very serious time of wondering if what I'm doing is worth it and what I'm doing wrong. And, you know, searching the internet endlessly for answers to my questions. And I think talking to other people that have gotten through that um, or might even be in another season of that, you know, these things come and go. to uh, so talk to someone who owns a business who is to their, whatever their version of successful is or my version of their successful is or whatever, uh, to talk to them and find out, you know, there are years of work that go into what you did. What is, like, what is that like? You know, let's not just talk about, you know, I started 10 years ago, and I did this, and then I did that, and then I did this, and then I did that, now I'm here. It's a little hyperbolic. I know it's it's not exactly hyperbolic, but it's really easy to feel overwhelmed by that. And I want to think, you know, okay, so, but year one, what was, what was like, you know, months one through six of year one, like, like, were you just floundering? You had no idea what you did? Okay. What did you do? Like, how did you, how did you navigate that first two years? How did you navigate that first five years? What are these little nuances that really held you up and that made it feel like it was going as slow as it was? Because I think we all have faced that. And I, uh, I'm just curious, you know? And I think it's good. I, I can learn lessons from it. I can take what these people have to say and implement it into my own life. And hopefully you can too, if you're a creator or a business owner or someone just trying to better yourself. You know, learning the process, like really getting in there and understanding you know, if you're running a business and you want to wholesale to retail, right, if I meet someone who does that, okay, how did you break into that market? You know, did you start at a small shop and work your way up? What was working your way up like? Did you know someone who was already a buyer at a medium-sized chain? Did you know someone who worked for Target? You know, how did you get your stuff into where it is? What are, What is the process there? None of this should be a secret. And I think a lot of people like to keep, you know, these little nuances, their secret. You know, how do, how do you get the attention on your product, on your brand? How do you get these people on Instagram to follow you and empathize and want to buy it? You can have the best work in the world, but if no one's looking at it, no one's going to buy it. You got to have the eyes. So it's, it's just all these questions. How did you get there? What do you think worked? Back, you know, five, 10 years ago when YouTube was a thing, a lot of these people that I think of were YouTubers and started Instagram when it first started. Organic reach was a lot better then. Uh, and now it's not, obviously. So we don't really have the benefit of like this random happening of just getting all of a sudden 30,000 followers in a year because our content's good and there's not much out there. Now it's like everyone is making great content. Everyone is trying. These glasses are probably <coughs> glaring really bad and I'm sorry. <sighs> so I wanna, I just want to talk about it, you know, learn lessons, figure out what you did. How did you do it? So today on the first episode of this podcast, I'm thinking about my freelance journey. If you don't know, I'm a freelance graphic designer from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I specialize in branding, advertising, and merchandising work. I kind of do all of it. I do layout. I don't really do web. I've done a couple websites. Not a huge fan. I leave that to the people that are really good at it. But when I get a client that needs a website, I send them to Squarespace. I'll do it for them. I charge a lot less. Uh But freelance for me is still and has kind of almost always been a really hard, grueling challenge. And I want to tell you my story and how I got to where I am today, which I don't ever want to come off like I'm some super successful freelancer. I think I have like eight bucks in the bank (laughs) right now. So let's get rid of that right now. I'll be completely transparent in everything that I have to say. No, you know, fluffy bullshit. And if anyone ever has questions, please just ask me, comment below, reach out to me privately. I'll answer whatever you want to know about my journey and about what I have done and the connections I've made and how I've done it. You know, I, I really want transparency in the world. So without further ado, let's talk about how I did it and I'm sort of doing it. <laughs> what my challenges are, what my successes have been, what the things that have worked have been and what the things that absolutely don't work are. So to get started, I have my notes on the whole thing right here. And if I'm glancing down, it's because I'm reading my notes because I'm getting lost. I have, uh, f- not ADD, I don't wanna say I have ADD because I don't, it's not debilitating. But you know, I I trail off, it's easy, it's easy to do. <laughs> so when I was 11 years old, I lived in a city called South Euclid, Ohio. And my dad runs a dance company. He's someone that I want to have on this podcast. And my mom has always uh, been just a creator. So I grew up in a family of artists. My mom has had a bunch of different things. Right now, she makes yoga accessories. That's kind of her main deal. But I've always been surrounded by art. I've been growing up around dancers my whole life and weird, weird shit. So when I was 12, well, yeah, when I was 11, I moved to an area called Sugar and Falls, which is where my mother's from, and I didn't fit in automatically. I moved from a pretty urban area to a very wealthy area, and I stuck out like a sore thumb. I'm an introvert. I've always had anxiety for as long as I can remember. Back then, I didn't know that's what it was. Obviously, I was 12, but I just could not make friends. So I kind of always turned to art, you know. After school, I'd come home and I'd draw, doodle, whatever, play video games, whatever 12-year-old boys did back in whatever year that was, 2005 or something. I don't know. How old am I? I don't know. Math. And I went over to a friend's house that I had made during one of my classes, and he was playing with a program called GIMP. And if you don't know, GIMP is basically a light version of a free Photoshop. Water. Water. So GIMP was kind of my first exposure to graphic design. And for the next, I'd say, two and a half years, I was obsessively playing in GIMP. Every single day, I would come home from school super excited to make little forum signatures. I used to play, like, online MMOs and make signatures for my forums and uh, just, like, random BS art that I thought was fun. I, like, didn't know what Vector was which if you don't know what vector is, it's a, it's a type of image format that's infinitely scalable. So you can make something at one inch by one inch and scale it to a thousand feet by a thousand feet and it will not lose quality. So I thought vector art was like a specific style of art with like arrows and tentacles and circles and I'll pop a picture of vec- what I thought was vector. And if I can find my first attempts at vector, I'll pop those in too. Um, no idea what I was doing. I found a GIMP forum. I just kind of went on, found tutorials, looked at what other people were doing. I was just having a lot of fun with it. I found out, I think probably at the age of 14, the graphic design was a job. I'm so sorry I keep like doing that. I have hiccups now, and I'm trying to hold them back. Anyways, I found out that graphic design was a job, and vaguely what it was and to me graphic design was album covers and t-shirt designs and stuff of that that vein so I'm doing the thing where I trail off (laughs) so I started making mock album covers can't see without my glasses so I started making mock album covers I was finding music that I really liked and I was like doing stuff and I was finding tutorials on YouTube and on my gimp forums and just kind of googling it and then Every so often I would see in my GIMP forms, people were talking about like, oh, well, I made this in Photoshop. And I was like, what? I've heard that term Photoshop before. You know, you say in cartoons like, oh, I Photoshopped a hippo in my teacher's head and she got really mad or whatever. Um, I think that was like iCarly or something. I don't know, some stupid kids sitcom. And I looked into it. So I was like, okay, cool. What is Photoshop? I downloaded, I think when I was 13, 14 or 15, 15, around that age, I downloaded Photoshop CS4. And I had so much fun. It was like a whole new world of possibilities opened up to me. All these new things I could do. And I was just ecstatic. I couldn't wait to play with it. I remember I was at school like the day after I downloaded it, um, just thinking obsessively about how badly I wanted to fake sick so I could go home and play on Photoshop. So, you know, I think... I probably played on Photoshop like that for another year, and I nothing serious, no idea that I wanted to make a career out of it or anything like that. I was just having fun every, pretty much every day when I wasn't hanging out with friends. I was playing on Photoshop, or even with, when I was with my friends, I would bring my crappy little Acer laptop with me and uh, do stuff in Photoshop. I'd take pictures of us and make our eyes really big or color us like aliens or something stupid that you would see. A kid doing it at the Apple store or whatever. And uh, do kids even do that anymore? Um, hmm. Anyways, I was 15 or so, I think maybe midway through 15, in a computer graphics class in school, and I thought I was hot shit. I was a, what was I, a junior? No, 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 no. I was a freshman or a sophomore. I think I was a freshman. I was like, oh, I can take the advanced level of this class because I've been doing Photoshop for three years now. I wasn't. I was doing GIMP. Uh, it's kind of the same basic fundamentals of it. And, uh, you know, I was <laughs> I was a lot more advanced than most of the kids in that class. Most of the kids in that class were taking it because it was an easy credit. It was something stupid that you could play around in computers and whatever. I mean, I get it. But I, through that class, I don't know if I honed my skills any better or if it really helped me that much, but it was just more exposure. It was more opportunity to play with the thing that I was so obsessed with. And um, I have something in my eye now. This is the worst first podcast ever. I don't... Whatever. Anyways, so I did computer graphics one through four. My whole senior, or no, my whole college, nope, my whole high school... (laughs) My whole high school career, I did some form of computer graphics. So one and two were freshman year. Yeah, three and four were sophomore year. So I took them every quarter, uh, semester, whatever. Shit. (laughs) It's been so long. And I, I just obsessed over it every single day. And I think I was 15 and a half when I got my first paying client. And that was a show flyer for this kid that was having a birthday party and i forget how he found me he lived kind of in the same area he lived in a different part of cleveland than i did I somehow found my work through facebook or something i don't know the world's a weird place and uh he asked me to make a flyer for his birthday and he paid me like 15 dollars or something maybe 20 bucks for it and it was terrible it was a horrible i'd never ever want to see that flyer again i don't even think i have it anywhere if i do i'll show it but i Don't think I do bad, real bad, real bad stuff. But I was also into like all sorts of different things. You know, I was still playing on my own time with typography and with more mock album artwork. I used to DJ with my best friend, Ross, and we had this thing called radiation radio. That was rough. Sorry, Ross. Didn't want to bring that up. Just came out of my mouth. And uh, I did all the artwork and like promotion and flyers for that. And uh, oh, my God. No, I was in eighth grade when I was doing that. So I was about 14. That, that was when I got Photoshop. Whatever. Years don't matter. It's the same concept. Um, yeah. So I was I was playing with it all this time. No, I was a freshman. You don't care. Anyways, I did this flyer, went to the show for my friend, met him there for the first time. Through that flyer, one of the kids in the other band saw that. Artwork and followed me on whatever, I think it was still Facebook or something, and asked me to do artwork for his band. I was like, hell yeah, that's so cool. That's such an awesome opportunity. And uh, did that artwork. And then I think shortly after that, they did a music video shoot that I went to and met them all. And they were friends with some of my actual, some of my mutual friends. So those mutual friends saw that album cover and were like, hey, we want you to do ours. So kind of through that slowly over the course of probably a year or two, I was just getting, you know, the auto album cover here or there. My most expensive album cover that I did, I think throughout my high school, no, throughout my first couple years of like paid gigs, I think the most I made was like 75 bucks. Um, and it was not very often. I think I got one commission every few months, maybe once every four or five months I would six might be a stretch. I think it was a little more frequent than six, um, but they weren't, you know, they weren't serious jobs, but I thought I was hot shit, man. I thought I was the best of the best. I thought I was on par with all of my idols. I thought I was just, I knew what I was doing. I thought I was incredible. And like, you know, for a 16 year old kid, I was pretty good. Uh, but I wasn't anywhere near what I am now. It's really fun to like, look back at that work and look at it now and be like, holy shit, what was I doing? Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's still a lot of, it's pretty cool. So I had, you know, kind of built myself a name in the Cleveland music scene. And I was in the the metal core heavy metal scene in Cleveland working for local metal bands. And, uh, I think by the end of my high school career, I probably did 10 to 15 paid album covers and I was always doing album artwork for my own bands and, you know, merch I learned I think I learned how to use Illustrator probably around the same time I think I was about 15 or 16 and I opened Illustrator for the first time and I was like what the fuck is this crazy I had no idea what I was doing Illustrator is a different beast and ironically it's all I use now I mean I use everything but it's mostly most of what I use is Illustrator um so when I was 17 I joined a thing called Excel Tech, which was at a different high school. So I would start my day at that high school for this half-day program that was all graphic design and digital media stuff. And then I would do the other half of the day for my core classes at the high school, at my high school. And we did things like... Map painting, digital illustration, animation, photography, video work, uh everything digital media. We ran our own like mock design firm and we did client work. It was all free, none of us got paid for anything. But for like the the school and for some local nonprofits and stuff that just needed our help and couldn't afford to pay like a real designer. <laughs> so that was a lot of really good exposure. And I was with people like-minded that really liked what we were doing too. Really great group of kids. I mean, there are still a lot of them are still really good friends of mine to this day. And I mean, that was probably the best I've ever fit in to anything in my life was just, I felt like the popular kid in the class. I was, you know, I was talented. Everyone kind of envied me. And that was like, that was where I started to shine a lot. It was super cool. Water. Um, so Excel Tech was junior and senior year, and in that time, I started getting more paying clients and I actually started charging a little bit more. And I think, again, the most I probably charged was about $150 for something. I can't really remember what I was doing around that time. I wish I had it like still on a hard drive somewhere. I'm sure it is, but I don't know where. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was just continual practice. I mean, every day I was in a situation where I was forced to practice something new. And on the weekends, sometimes I would do it, sometimes I wouldn't. But I was getting four hours, I think, four or five hours a day of exposure to this. So, like, I would go from Excel Tech, my digital media class, it was called Interactive Media. I would go from Interactive Media to high school, do my three core classes or whatever, have my lunch. I would have my lunch, I would do my three core classes, and then I usually had my last period was an art class. So, in that art class, I'm also still practicing different forms of art. I think I had, um, One of them was an industrial design class, and then the other two were AP art. So I was constantly doing art. And then when I would get home, I'd be doing art. And like I was just obsessing over and over every single day. And it was really helpful to be in a structured environment where I had to do that. So if you know me in person, uh, you generally know that I'm a terrible student. I still to this day, I'm in school now. This is my last term. Praise God, almost done. I'm such a bad student, <laughs> don't take after me, seriously. I will give you this excuse though. All of my design-related classes that I have ever taken and my art-related classes I've ever taken in high school, college, all of that, I've been exceptionally good at, I've always aced, I've always done really, really well, except for one because the teacher was not great uh, and she didn't know the software she was teaching. will just leave that to where it is. It's a story for another day. I did very bad in high school. I almost did not graduate. I, During senior project, I remember I skipped out on the last, I think it was eight weeks of school because you're supposed to, maybe it was less, might've been four. I don't know. You're supposed to go get an internship somewhere and do your senior project on something and have a thesis. And I didn't qualify for it (laughs) because I was such a bad student. My grade point average was so low they wouldn't let me do it. And uh I'm not dumb. I just hated school. I didn't find any use in it except for the art stuff, which I always did really well at. Uh Kind of sucked at AP art. I was really good at it. I just didn't do the work because I was so obsessed with my design that I didn't want to spend time on fine art. Either way. I didn't do senior project and I was like, well, I can just not go to school as long as I'm doing the homework and turning it in. It shouldn't be a problem. So I did that. I would go... After Excel Tech, I would go home i'd <laughs> just go home. And I would like look up in the syllabus what the homework was for my, I had one class to be fair. I had my AP art class, which wasn't really like anything serious. And then I had like a, some sort of history or government or something. So I was like, I can just go home, do these one or two classes at the library or something. You know, as long as I'm getting the homework in, it shouldn't matter. So I did that. Turns out that you don't get credit for homework if you're not there for the class. Didn't know that. No one really told me. No one tried to tell me. Uh, So the day or two before graduation, I think it was two days before. It might have been the day before graduation, I think, actually. They called me into the office and they were like, we've been trying to contact you. I'm like, no, you weren't because I've been here once a day for I think I had like a weightlifting class in the morning. And that's when I would leave after that. And then uh, I was like, you know what my schedule is. You know I'm here for weightlifting first thing in the morning. Why aren't you just coming to me there? And they're like, well, we've tried calling your home phone. We're like, we don't have a home phone. We don't have cell phone numbers for you. Yes, you do. Uh, So, like, it was just this mess. And my parents kind of backed me up. And they were like, all right, so what he did was dumb. But you also didn't make your best effort to contact him and tell him this. And I was, I was even saying to them, like, had I known I wouldn't be getting credit for these assignments, I would have been coming to the class so that I could get the credit. So we made a deal. Long story short, we made a deal that if I could ace the three tests that I missed um, in the history class, that I would be allowed to graduate. So they immediately sent me over to the school library, gave me the three tests, and within an hour, I was done 100% on all of them, and they shut up real fast. After that experience, I was pretty done with school. I really didn't wanna go to college, I just wanted to work. I wanted to get a design job and spend my life doing art. And then I think four months later, maybe, or five months later, come about August, maybe July, that changed real fast. I was seeing all my friends posting pictures on Instagram of all their fun in college and all the college campuses and all the college things they were doing. And I was like, it actually sounds really fun. I'd really like to go to a school and like meet new people, maybe go to a new city, live somewhere else and really hone my skills a little more. Um, I wasn't really getting freelance clients, so I decided to apply. I, w- I applied to Columbia College in Chicago, not the Ivy League school, just an art school. It's just an art and design school, normal. Not not that good stuff. <laughs> My GPA told you that. I got like a 1.4 in high school. There's no way I'm getting into Ivy League. So it's always fun to say like, yeah, I went to Columbia. And people are like, wow. I don't, I don't usually clarify. It's just I'm not lying. I just let them have their own impressions. <laughs> um, so I applied to Columbia. I got in. And in December of that year, I shipped out to Chicago for a semester at Columbia College. Boy, let me tell you what a mistake that was for me. For me. Uh, In that summer, leading up to that time, I had just posted on my favorite band at the time, After the Burial's Wall, um, an album cover, or just not even an album cover, just a piece of art that I did that I was inspired to do by one of their songs that they played live. It was unreleased and I like found it on YouTube and I listened to it over and over again and I just had this like really distinct image in my head. Um, so I made it and I posted it on their wall. I didn't really, I was just like fan art, here you go. Um, about a month after I posted that, I got an email from After the Burial's manager saying that the band loved the artwork and wanted to work with me on their newest release, which if you know anything about the metal scene, the metalcore world, the gent world, whatever you want to call it, they're one of the top bands and have been for a very long time in that space. So that was a huge deal. I mean, like, one of my favorite bands is emailing me saying that they liked my fan art so much, they want me to do a whole release through a label that's super well-respected, whose art director was, like, my idol. Like, that was the guy, Daniel McBride. Danny, if you're watching this, this is embarrassing. Danny was the guy that like every single day I'd look up his art and I'd try to recreate it. And I was just like infatuated by his style. Um, (laughs) So I did the whole release for them. And by the time I was in Chicago, I think that's when it released. I think it might have gotten announced a week or two before I left for Chicago. And uh, the album artwork will pop up right here for those of you watching the video. It was, I mean, it was just the craziest, coolest experience. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is my break. This is what I've been working for the past five years for. This is so cool. I was 18, super excited. Um, didn't really work like that. So the whole release was, it was super exciting. I was really happy. They did a lyric video with my artwork. That was super cool to see. But I uh, think I overestimated what it was going to be. I really expected that release to be like my f- entry into the world of doing album artwork full-time professionally and making a good salary doing it, you know, as a freelancer. I thought, shit, yeah, I'm going to be able to work with all of these bands now. They're going to see this art and come to me. Nope. I think... uh It was two or three. No, no, no. It was like three or four years until that actually turned into something for me. Now, when I say that, I know that's that's saying something crazy. So let me backtrack a little bit and say that when people had seen that I did that artwork, that was kind of the convincing factor to them to work with me from then moving forward. So it's not like it didn't work. But nobody came to me having read the inside of the booklet of that album and saying, dude, we love your artwork. We want to work with you so bad. That did not ever, not even to this day, has not once happened. (laughs) Um, When I send my portfolio link to people, then it'll happen. Uh, They'll be like, oh my God, you didn't know you did this. So it goes to show. (laughs) I'm super grateful for that opportunity, though. And I'll circle back to that again uh, a little later, I think. Yeah. So... December comes. I think it was the it was just after Christmas. I move out to Chicago. No, it might have been no. It was shortly after my birthday, so it was the middle of January. I moved out to Chicago. Uh, go to Columbia. I let me tell you, one of the most transformative times in my life. I had no friends. I had a roommate who I still love to this day. Um, but beyond that, I was so lonely. I had just my roommate and their friends. I didn't really get involved that much. A couple of their friends and I did hang out a couple times. And I you know, I still love them. Shout out to Carly and Colin. But I was super lonely. I made, I made another friend, Logan, who I'm sure is watching this. Love you, Logan. And that was it. Um, really weird. I didn't have a job out there, so I had no money. Couldn't really do anything fun. I went to a couple parties, uh, other stories for other times. But mostly I was in my dorm room every day for four months pretty much straight, beginning to end unless I was in class, sitting on my computer watching Family Guy and just one of the worst depressions I've ever had in my life. Uh, And it was at this time that I was realizing like, wow, this is really hard. This whole thing that I want to do is really hard because until that moment, it was never real. It was always just fun work for my friends and for fan art and for whatever you know just for myself when it came to college that was when i was really considering being a graphic designer as as a career um like a firm designer you know like not freelance like really getting into the world of what is branding what is packaging so until until that point i hadn't really done any i'd done a little bit um but another never anything super serious never anything high ticket or anything like that so I I, uh, I just battled with a lot in that time. I was so lonely and I was I was given an offer by a band in Cleveland to be their bassist and I had filled in with them a couple times and I really enjoyed it. So I decided to leave Chicago, come back to Cleveland, drop out of school and pursue the band thing full-time and continue designing on you know on the side um, Columbia was not for me. Columbia was a hard, it wasn't a hard school, but it was a hard thing for me to get into. I felt like because of the experience I already had, now I'm not saying I was hot shit. Back then I thought I was hot shit. Now I don't think that, and I still don't really. Um, but back then I was, I was already aware of how to use Photoshop and Illustrator and how to do a lot of these core fundamental things. I knew what color theory was. But I was forced to take all these intri- entry-level classes so to me, it was like, I'm spending $14,000 of loan money. That's not to mention like grants. Like it was like a $20,000 semester school. So I spent $14,000 of my own money in loans on a school that I felt like was not helping me grow. None of the work I was really seeing coming out of there was amazing. None of the, like the companies that I saw people got hired by were that impressive. Um, the facilities were okay. Looking back, I'd take Columbia's facilities over what I'm at now a thousand times over, but that's you live and learn, uh just like this story. So I dropped out. I felt like I didn't learn anything, felt like I got nowhere, I didn't make any friends. I got to experience living in Chicago, which was super cool. My favorite city in the world. But beyond that I just I just wasn't into it at all. So those four long, grueling, terrible months went by. I think I maybe did two freelance contracts for again probably like a hundred, 200 bucks each. Really not much. I didn't, by the way, I did not get paid for the, after the barrel artwork. I'm sure people are going to ask me that. Um, I did that for free because to me in my 17, 18 year old mind, that was just such incredible exposure that I couldn't bear to ask the band to pay me, um, for giving me this opportunity. They had no idea. I was an 18 year old kid that had never done this before. (laughs) Um, they also found that out pretty fast. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I I built a great relationship with those guys, and it was super cool. But I did not get paid for that. Anyways, so I got back to Cleveland, and I tried my hand at freelance. And, like, really tried my hand at freelance. I was like, okay, I'm going to come back to Cleveland. I cannot do normal jobs. Uh, If you know me, again, this is one of those things that has always been a tension point with me, my family, and my friends, and my relationships, is that I pretty much refused to get like a day job, any, any kind. Like I won't be a retail worker. I won't be a bartender. I won't be uh, anything. I won't be in-house anywhere. Um, I will be in-house, um, preferably at a design firm. That's kind of where I'm headed now, I think. And that's, again, that's for another story, but I can't do just normal part-time, full-time, whatever, like public work, I guess, basically. I had one in-house experience that I'll get to in a minute. Um, that, That was also pretty not great and tainted my vision of what in-house is. But I know they're not all like that. I know there's definitely great companies. Um, And that's actually a good point to make real quick is that now that I think about it and after telling that story of interactive media, I realized um, while doing this podcast that like maybe my experience in-house wasn't good for, I guess, my anxiety um, I'm trying to find on my list where I write down my in-house job. Ah. Okay. So I'm going to come back to that. Um, anyways, I went home and then after a few months, I had the reality set in of like, I have to pay off $14,000. And I've got kind of nothing to show for it. I didn't grow. I don't. I have three new friends, um, four new friends. That was it. <laughs> I mean, that was it. Like I, I spent $14,000 to live in Chicago and stress out and be alone and depressed. That sucked. And I didn't want to pay that off yet. And I really wanted a degree so I could get a good job. Um, so I went back to school. I joined a small private college called Virginia Marty College in Lakewood, Ohio, just outside of the city of Cleveland. And um, the first few years were really great. Honestly, I really liked it. I grew a ton as a designer. I learned a lot more in that school. So the appeal of that school was that they were actually willing to look at my talent and my history and all of these things and just bypass like over a year of work for me. So I I was able to uh, to skip all the fundamental BS classes. And um, I was going to go to Kent. If you're a designer, you might know what Kent is. It's in Ohio as well i um, down the street from where I live right now. They're probably the best school for design in this, this region. It's right up there, like with Rhode Island School of Design and, you know, any art institute, but, uh, they wouldn't accept my transfer credits from Columbia and Virginia Marty would. So I chose Virginia Marty and for, for a while it was worth it. I really enjoyed it. I really appreciated it. I made a couple really good friends at the time, um, Grew a lot. Again, I went in with a giant ego. You know, I thought I was the hottest at what I did, but they were able to smack that out of me so fast. I think it was like one quarter. It was on a quarter system. One quarter went by and I was like, oh my God, I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. So uh kind of took it from the ground up. I really really buckled down in my design classes. And I took all of my design classes first. I took very few preliminary classes. Um, I took like art history and a couple others that I had to, but I saved all like the, the grueling, boring stuff till the end. And kids, if you're in college, don't do that. Please do not do that. Save the fun stuff for the end, I promise. You're gonna feel a lot better. Um, But yeah, they smacked my ego out of me and I learned so much in two to th- maybe almost three years. So I went between full-time and part-time for a while and uh yeah i mean i just learned so much i moved to lakewood i lived on my own i was in the band so i was really busy and i i worked you know a couple part time jobs to supplement my income i worked at guitar center for a few months i worked at um like a halloween store for a few months just stuff here and there but i really tried the freelance thing and at that point i was actually charging like real money so i think one of my first freelance jobs outside of um outside of working when I got back and enrolled in school. It was her band that I still work with regularly and who are like some of my favorite people to work with. They just kind of let me do whatever. They're a band called The Sense of Purpose and they were one of the first clients I had that paid me a lot. Um, I don't really have a problem disclosing that number, but for their sake, I'm going to keep that private in this podcast. <coughs> Excuse me, water... Um, I just, I don't feel right talking about other people's money publicly when I use their name, but I had other bands that I was working with. I was working with most, pretty much most of the local Cleveland bands, metal bands that is, um, at that time. So I was, I was making okay money. I don't know how much per month. I never really calculated it, never bothered to find out. Uh, but I was able to live alone at a $450 a month attic apartment by myself, um, living off of microwave food. Um, but it was fine. You know, I was 20. I was 20 years old. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I, I really enjoyed it. I I was broke a lot. <laughs> I was really broke a lot. That's why I would get these small part-time seasonal jobs just to kind of help out. But I was, I was working. And then I think towards the midway of living in Lakewood, when I was 20, I got... A 1099 job, which is an independent contract job on a retainer-ish. It was hourly, but it was like kind of to what I chose to do. Um, Doing basically file prep and um, production work for a, a bag hardware company like grommets and zippers and stuff. So my job there, I worked on my own time from wherever I wanted, but my job was to take the photos, the black and white photos that they had from their old catalog and colorize them. Knock out the backgrounds. Prepare them for print. So I did that for, oh, I don't know, four or five months. I was making really good money. They were paying me $15 an hour. Uh, I was working pretty close to full time. I think I was doing about 30 to 35 hours a week. Um, for a 20-year-old 20 living on their own in a fairly cheap city, I was feeling like the king of the world. Like, I didn't have to worry about it. I was getting paid like five dollars to $700 every other week. I was doing great. Um, and then on top of that, I had like other, other smaller clients that were paying me. So I think probably at that time I would say I was making close to a thousand to 1800 a month. I varied wildly, you know, I would have a $400 paycheck from them and then a $700 paycheck from them and then like a $500 and then I'd have another client. Um, but I think I was making between. I don't think I ever hit $2,000 in a month, but I think I definitely made over $1,500 at least once in that time. Uh, March rolled around of 2018, and I no longer had that client. That client disappeared, I think, in the middle of January or so. January or February, I can't remember specifically. Just stopped the job just out of nowhere. They were like, we'll be in touch. And then I haven't heard ever since. So that sucked a whole lot. Um, and at that point, I realized like, there's no way without this that I'm going to be able to survive here on my own. <clears throat> so I moved back with my pa- my parents uh, in the middle of absolutely nowhere in the forest in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, where everyone's rich and I'm not. And uh, it sucked. It was a huge hit to my ego. I went from doing okay. You know, I mean, I wasn't wealthy, but so like a 20 year old kid, that was, I was wealthy, um, to nothing. <laughs> like I did not have clients. I had occasionally, I had clients maybe once every month or two. And I think I was making next to nothing. I think maybe 300 a month tops for like a year. Um, so I was school full time again, trudging through it, trying to get done with the, the standard classes at 21 years old. And uh, I remember my 21st birthday, I celebrated by, I had three classes, and then I went and got drunk at Dave & Buster's. <laughs> uh, and I broke my phone that I got three days before. <laughs> uh, anyways, moved home, wanted to freelance full-time, didn't get a real job. I don't really know if I ever did get a job job in that time. No, I didn't. I never got, like, a real job. So at the age of 21, what year was that? That was three years ago, so that was 2016. Where am I? Yep. 2016, I lived at home for a year from March to about March, actually, so I think it's a straight year I lived at home, and I just focused on, whatever little client work I could get, and it was cool. And I was trying to get my associate's degree. So I get my associate's degree in, what was that? April of 2018, no, 2017. I got my associate's degree, uh, April of 2017. But before that, I had been applying to jobs because I really wanted a job. Um, I really needed the money. So I've been applying to design jobs and I got an opportunity by an engineering firm in Cleveland to be their in-house graphic designer. Um, and at this time, I should mention, I had a client who I was doing a comic book for or a graphic novel for um, doing the illustrations of that. And that was my highest paying client. I think actually still to this day, um, as a flat rate, that was my highest paying client job I've ever had. Uh, that was a $3,500 job over the course of, I think, six months-ish. Um, so, like, every t- three to four weeks, I was getting a $500 paycheck, and that was amazing. So, that gave me, like, kind of the balls to go apply for real jobs. So, I got a job in March of 2018 as a in-house full-time graphic designer uh, for this engineering firm. I think I <laughs> said that, like, six times. And in April, I got my degree. So they, like, kind of gave me some forgiveness for a couple weeks because um, they knew I was going to get it. It's just I had to have the ceremony. So got my associates, started this job, worked there until November of 2018. And let me tell you, oh, my God, worst experience, worst, horrible, awful nightmare. Oh, my God. <laughs> I still can't get over how awful that was oh so first like you start off you're excited right you get your first big boy job and you're making real money i was making like thirty three thousand a year um which is it's a, it's good i was 21 it's good good money 22 21 22 i was 22 I was, that's fine money my apartment's rent was like 470 again at a different place um my bills totaled up to like 600 a month so i was ballin I didn't have a car payment nothing so I was I was doing very well for myself. And I had that $500 every couple of weeks, every few weeks coming in. So I was making a lot for a 22-year-old. I was going out of town all the time. I was enjoying myself. Super fun. I had paid time off. It was great. You know, I, I really enjoyed getting to know the people I worked for and, like, just the environment of, like, oh, I have a place to be and a purpose to fulfill. And it's so cool. And it's so great. And, oh, my God, it was the worst. Ugh. <laughs> I, uh... Oh man, to make it acceptable to, to say without tarnishing my reputation, because I could do, could say a lot about this place. They were very narrow-minded people. They were all not my age, even a little bit. Um, I was the only, one of the only people in the, fir- I was the only person in the firm that had any visible tattoos. I was the only male that had any kind of piercing anywhere. Uh... It was, it was a nightmare. It was actually a nightmare. My anxiety got so bad in this job, I think by month four, I would come home on my lunch break to my girlfriend at the time. And I literally every day for, I think a month would just start bawling in her arms. I was just losing it. I was so unhappy The people were so not at all anywhere. Oh God, just awful people horrible people my boss horrible person um my one co-worker was really nice she was really sweet i didn't get to know her super well she was very quiet but she was always really sweet um but it got to the point man that like during this job i was just so anxious and so upset i developed a really bad drinking problem i uh god i just i couldn't take it it was so bad um I hate to like admit, admit this on a podcast in case future employers ever find me. This isn't something I would do in a place that I'm happy at. And I, I kind of learned my lesson from this, but I, w- I was at the point for the last, I think month and a half that I was so miserable and so unhappy. I wasn't sleeping. I couldn't eat really that well. I was trying everything I could, uh, to survive this job. I mean, I would just, I stopped dressing formal for work. I was wearing a jean and t- jeans and a t-shirt every day. I, I seriously, like I was picking up freelance clients um, a lot more regularly during this job. I was like, working on freelance work on my work hours if my boss wasn't there. Um, she would leave an hour before me. So I used that last hour to like r- get freelance shit done so I could go have fun and do something with my life and like drink away the anxiety and misery that I was going through. Um, so I, I started focusing really heavily on launching a clothing line, Grimwire, if you know anything about that. He's coming back It's gonna be back soon i promise um working on it launched that clothing line that was cool just poured a lot of my time and energy into that during that job just to give myself something out something to think about and enjoy besides that terrible job i took as much paid time off as i could possibly afford i used sick days like i i was not in a good place um so through that time i was i don't even really know how it was working out honestly i wish i could could recall but i was getting clients um one of my best friends preston runs a skateboard well ran a skateboard company called real talk skate company that was bought out and i was doing some graphics for them um, my band work was actually really fully picking off pretty well i was doing you know five six hundred dollars an album cover um i was getting one of those a month or so maybe maybe a little less than that I was doing you know brochures and flyers for my dad's dance company and I was I was doing really well you know I was picking up some clientele um, I think the skateboards were like 150 each I would do merch all the time I was doing t-shirt designs left and right those were 150 a pop so I was at this point where I was I was fairly confident I was actually I was working for a restaurant that I had worked for for uh, about a year or so on very very super seldom jobs I did a menu for them. I did a couple other little things for them, and uh, so I built that relationship really strong. So I had this point that I had reached where I was just so sick of it. So in, I think, October of 2018, no, October of 2017. What year was this? This was all 2017. I'm sorry. This job was 2017. I don't know if I said that or not. Um, so in October of 2017, I decided I was going to take the jump to freelance and my goal my idea was every paycheck I'd save $200 instead of going out of town every weekend I'd save $200 from every paycheck until Christmas and then at the Christmas break I was going to quit so that would have given me $2,000 saved up just about uh, a little less than that to live off of you know in that that gap couple months where I was trying to find my footing, like really freelancing. So I was saving up a bunch of money. Um, I think I got, I got pretty close to that $2,000 mark, mark. Um, but in November, so (laughs) the week before Thanksgiving, like like the week leading up to Thanksgiving that Monday. So I don't get this at all. Uh, in the two weeks or month before that I had asked for remote work and they denied me. Um, And I think that's what kind of spiraled this whole thing to happen was I was getting treated terribly by my boss, who used to be really friendly to me. We got along really well. You know, she wasn't really like we didn't align on a lot, but we still worked together okay. Um, But she all of a sudden just started disassociating from me, treating me terribly, saying really horrible things to me, Um, being really like passive aggressive towards me, just awful. I mean, it was awful. It was just this horrible, horrible month. Of, like, what did I do? Like, I asked for remote. She was into it. And then it got to do a no after a week. And then she just started t- treating me horribly. Like, super weird. I don't... You got problems, girl. I'll go see someone. The Monday before Thanksgiving, I got called into the office after a full day, which was weird. And they let me go. So they kind of did it for me. I was going to jump another two weeks from that to go to freelance and they headed that for me. I don't know why they let me go. They said that they were restructuring the marketing department, whatever. Uh, I know that could absolutely be true that they decided that they couldn't afford me and they just wanted to move someone else into my position. Um, I know that they fought to be able to hire me. So maybe they tried it for nine months and were like, this isn't really working the way we wanted it to, or we, you know, the way you said it would, and they decided to let me go. Whatever the case was, that was fine. I got a severance pay of a full two weeks. I got all of the paid time off I didn't use refunded to me. So I got a gigantic paycheck. Um, so it was my last two weeks and that severance pay and that PTO I didn't use. And that was my savings. I mean, that... That was like $1,500 right there that I just, right in it might actually, it was closer to $2,000. I think it was like 1900 bucks, all of it into savings after I paid my bills, of course. Um, so I think about, I had about $2,000 saved up and that started it. That was the kickstart to my freelance. Now, I think from Thanksgiving break to the new year, I pretty much just took it completely off. I was so drained from that job that I just needed like that month and a half to find myself again, relearn how to be happy, just spend time with my girlfriend at the time, with my friends, with my family. Uh, yeah, I really, really needed that time to myself. So in January, I mean, I had one, I think I had one or two clients in that time. I had a gift guide that I was doing for the restaurant, and then I think I had some album artwork that I did. Um, I think the album cover cover was like, 250 or 300 and the gift guide was about about the same so it wasn't great but I mean you know it was it was enough to pay my bills and I had that that savings built up so it was fine and it was Christmas my birthday came up so I I had some money from that to play with um I was living with my girlfriend at the time so this took off a massive amount of weight for the bills for me she would buy the groceries and she paid um the heat I paid (coughs) and her car I paid the rent I paid the electric, and the internet, something else, because uh, I made more than her. Like even without my job, I was making more than her. Um, but I mean, still, my bills were only like six or seven hundred bucks a month, so it was not hard. Um, that January, I believe, I set up a meeting with the restaurant uh, and proposed that I go on retainer with them so every month they would pay me a set amount and after that again this is one of those things that I think I said the name of the restaurant before so I don't want to say what they pay me that's their policy they don't really want to want it being talked about totally understand so I'm not going to be able to say that (coughs) more water okay got more water Mm -hmm. so I'm not gonna be able to say what they pay me but um, at the time it was, it was enough to cover my bills. I'll say that it was enough to cover my cost of living and I had a little left over. um, so I went, I went freelance and, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I, how I really did it. I think it was one of those things where the universe just aligned. I took the risk. I, I could have easily applied for a new job and found something else. Um, but I took the risk, and it paid off. So, how I had mentioned um, that job being terrible, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. As I was talking, and I, I just mentioned earlier, I realized that that job was a very bad, poor, negative first experience. Obviously, um, but it tainted me a lot. It tainted my willingness to get a design firm job. It tainted, you know, my perspective of what working for someone is. Um, and then now that I think about like what my interactive media class was like during high school, it was just so much fun. It was some of the best people. We were all working on the same projects all the time in a design firm fashion. Um, and I loved it. I mean, I just loved every single day of it. I mean, there were the days that like, I didn't want to go, obviously. We all have those for anything, but I loved it. So, you know, maybe, maybe being in a design firm is not that bad. <laughs> it's basically what I'm trying to kind of realize myself. Uh, if it's the right place. Anyways, so I in November, um, around the same time that I got let go from the engineering firm, I got a message from Daniel McBride, who works for Sumerian Records, who I worked with on the After the Burial release. And this is when, super weird, this is when that album artwork job really paid off. So it's We're talking four years later that Danny hits me up. He's like, hey, Asking Alexandria and Between the Buried and Me are coming out with new albums. I love, you know, I love what you've been doing lately. I'd love to have you pitch some merch for them. If you don't know how the merchandise world works for graphic design, most of the time, most of the things that you see, there are companies that handle the merchandise that go to like a pool of designers. And we all just submit based on the brief that they give us. They tell us kind of what the band is looking for or what they've had in the past. We send it to the art director, the art director shows it to the band. The band picks what they want, and if you get picked, you get paid. If not, you can generally you can sell your design to someone else. Um, there's some companies that don't want you doing that. I have not worked with those yet. Anyways, so Danny hits me up, sends me those briefs. Um, I spend the Thanksgiving break or so working on the shirts, I, I work you know really hard on them because this is a crazy cool opportunity. Like, I'm like, oh my god four years after this album artwork that I thought was going to launch me to where I want to be, I'm finally getting an opportunity. And I'm like, so thankful for it. Um, none of them got picked, but that turned into a fairly regular working relationship with Sumerian records. Danny and I are now friends. We've met in person. We've had lunch together. Great guy. Love him to death. Um, and I, I pretty frequently, I I would say maybe once every few months, Get reached out to to submit to bands. Um, I've only had one approval so far. Hey, there's a lot of reasons for that. We can get into in another episode of this podcast. Uh, but I got approved for a Dead Posy shirt. Cool band. Didn't know who they were until I did it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like a really cool thing that happened. Um, and I've worked with them on a few a few pitches, and I've gotten that one approval. Um, and I've got some friends who also work for other merchandising companies that will pass stuff off to me to do work for them. The payout is always different. Um, So, you know, it's kind of, A, it's unreliable. I mean, I can't, you can't, some people make a living doing it if they've got enough contracts, but I cannot make a living doing that with where I'm at at all. Um, Anyways, so I I got to do that. Um, In February or March of 2018, I found a program, might have been a little later than that, might have been April. We moved into a bigger apartment. It was slightly more expensive because I, you know, I was doing okay. You know, I was thinking I was making about fifteen hundred a month um, with my girlfriend at the time, splitting the bills on freelance. And I still had the savings account that was ready, you know, for an emergency. Uh, I'm very bad with money, as much as I'm bad as a student. So that's another lesson you learn throughout these podcasts, and something I'm working on currently. Uh moved into a bigger apartment, and I was like, shit, I got to make more money now. It was a little more expensive. wasn't too bad. But I was also really tired of just, like, living paycheck to paycheck. You know, I started out, like, balling out, going out of town all the time and buying whatever the hell I wanted um, to all of a sudden only having enough money to pay my bills and, like, eat. So I had to fix something. Lo and behold, a designer that I followed on Instagram, Ryan Bowles, hi, Ryan, Um, was on Matt Diavela's podcast. And I was like, hey, cool, weird. I I know this guy. Um, Watched the podcast and he was talking about how his whole thing is now trying to help freelancers do better in their career. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn about this. Um, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, what is this course you talk about? Told me the whole lowdown. I joined the course in maybe April, I guess, of 2018. And I really talked to my girlfriend at the time. I was like, look, this is an expensive investment. Do you think I should do it? Is this worth my effort? Um, Is this worth me spending all of the savings I have left on in the prospect that it will help me make more money? And she supported me, so I did it. That day, I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to do it. I paid up the money over the course of a couple months out of that account and took the course. I didn't take the course as seriously as I should have. (laughs) I did get work out of it. I got I got some work out of it. I think it helped kind of open my eyes to what's possible more than I actually took actionable advice from it. And th- I'm not knocking the course. It's a fantastic course. It's helped a lot of people do very well. I was not in a disciplined or mental position yet for it to work for me. Um, yet. I'll explain that. In I think around the same time, um, the... General manager, owner of Alesshi's, the restaurant I work for, uh, if I didn't already say that, Frank, mentioned to me a networking group called BNI, B-N-I. And that was basically every Friday we meet at 7.30 in the morning and we give our commercial to the group of, I think there was like 45 people, and we're encouraged to meet with each other to learn what each other does and figure out how to refer each other business. So basically it's 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 a networking group that refers each other business and gets a I wouldn't say awarded, but we keep track of that business. Um, so these two things coupled were like, to me, like my ticket. These were like, okay, this is how I'm going to build a career off of this. Um, and for a lot, of the, a lot of it, it was. It was very helpful. B BNI, I think, was wildly helpful for me in a lot of ways, both in my social skills, my networking ability, um, understanding the industries I could work in, and just understanding how to set up meetings with new people, that's something I'd never done before. <laughs> I had found in BNI, we were we a very good chapter. Um, they were called chapters. We were a very good group, statistically. <laughs> I found that if I were to have a meeting with a person every week, it would usually turn into work. So I did that as often as I could. I frequently got work through that. Um, but as I, my commitment to the group dwindled, so did my yield. Um, It's 100% on me, I'm well aware of that. It was very hard for me because I was actually in the group as an artist, not a graphic designer. There was already a graphic designer in the group, joined at the same time as I did, so I was the artist. So my my pitches were still like merchandise, um, but I was doing murals um, and some other stuff like that. So it was a little harder for me because I'm not by trade an artist, I mean I am but not commercially. I'm not a commercial artist at all. <clears throat> so that was really hard for me to to figure out. Yeah, that that helped me. That gave me quite a a decent amount of business and then I did the creator die course from Ryan. Um, <clears throat> that helped me understand the marketing skills that I needed to have. I don't think I ever really took the same level of action that the course was asking for. This is something that I'm working on right now. I'm retaking the course. I have, you know, obviously I have access to it now um, in the group that it brings to you. I'm retaking it and realizing kind of as I I watch it, like these are some very key components to this course that I just never did. Um, I always looked at it as like, Oh, cool. This is like a cold call template. It's so much more than a cold call template. It talks about everything in freelance marketing there is to know. Um, But I am the type of person that if something doesn't feel like it resonates with me in my core being, that I don't do it. (laughs) That's something I really need to work on, obviously with my studentage. Um, So I'm retaking the course right now. But I will say this. August of 2018 rolls around. Um, this girl and I break up. Really, 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 really devastating breakup. The, the effects of that were just cataclysm. Like, I talked about how the, the depression I faced in Chicago was one of the worst I've ever had. Absolutely top by this breakup. The worst depression I, to this day, have ever faced in my entire life. Um, I have clinical depression. I have general anxiety disorder. I have minor obsessive compulsive disorder. I have never felt so low in my life, ever. I, it, it was like, just the world imploded on me. And I, I lost all of my work, you know, I didn't have any work to do. I was messing up with clients left and right. I, you know, I was still on this monthly retainer, and I still am. Um, I was going there and like having panic attacks and having to leave early, I was messing up their files, I was causing them to lose money, because, you know, I sent the wrong file to the wrong person. And, it's just, it was really, really, really bad, um, through their grace and forgiveness. You know, I met with Frank and, uh, just kind of explained my situation, just personally not business related and, you know, their empathy was just so, so amazing. And I'm forever grateful for that. And it's clients like that, man, that make you like so thankful. Like I, it's so rare to get a client that incredible, um, especially as, as forgiving and loving as they are, <sighs> um, So I'm stuck here, right? I'm stuck with $1,500 a month in bills because I'm paying $700 for an apartment and parking. I'm paying, you know, $400 in utilities and internet and gas. I'm paying close to $200 for groceries. And then, like, I want to have a social life, which I didn't for a while after this breakup. But I'm like, okay, so it's either. I move home with my parents or i make this work the choice was to make this work and that's when i started to take this creator die course a little more seriously and i started to take bni a little more seriously although that had been pretty much gone by then i missed a lot of those and the structure just wasn't for me anymore um <clears throat> you know it works for a lot of people i didn't love having to wake up in the morning to drive an hour (laughs) to meet people, uh, and then like have to be performing well and giving enough business. And like, there's just a lot of rules I didn't love about it, um, that are obviously in place for a good reason, but they were not for me. I'm obviously I'm very anti-authority, not anti, I'm very, uh, I'm not good with authority. (laughs) Um, so I, I started taking this course a little more seriously and I just, I don't really know what it was that pulled me into this position, but I remember all of August I had been meditating and visualizing every single night in bed, the idea of having $3,124 and 38 cents in my bank account. I don't know why that was the number. I knew I wanted to make $3,000 a month, but for some reason that was like the number that just popped into my head. Maybe it was like, God, maybe it was just weird, but I did it long story short i did it i worked my ass off i just randomly got these like cool amazing paying jobs that were paying me you know 600 a $1, 1200 um 500 400 dollars a job and from august or maybe yeah from august to march i made anywhere between 2500 and $3,500 a month. I, I really honestly do not know how I pulled it off. I really, really truly think it was just deciding that I was going to make it work and really having something to fight for because I had no choice. I mean, I was either go homeless, live with my parents, or, or figure this out. Um, so that's what I did. And I think my best month was April or March. I made four thousand, a little over four thousand dollars that month. Um, you know, it was between merch submissions and album covers, and you know, mural jobs and corporate brochures and corporate work. That's always been the best payers, the corporate work. Um, yeah, I was doing super well. I mean, the BNI connections really helped. It was just, it was just a combination of all these things. Um, my best client, Deathwish Coffee. If you know who Deathwish is, that's a cool one. I cold emailed them. That was one of the things. There was a template in the Creator Die course that was the million dollar email template. And I was like, all right, screw it. I'll try it. I sent emails to probably 20 different companies. And Deathwish responded. And they happened to need someone that day, <laughs> like literally that day, uh, to finish some file prep. It was all production work. And it's still all production work whenever I work for them. I've done one package, I did a mystery box package for them. But crazy paid really well it worked out um and now they come to me not regularly but i'd say like every couple months they need like some kind of low budget production job for me i've done some ad work for them stuff like that um you know that was super cool and it was out of the blue i could not believe it worked it was a total fluke i was looking for death Wish skateboards and i emailed death Wish coffee and it like it just worked out so it's things like that like you you have to decide that it's gonna work You have to really put yourself forward into it. And it worked. Um, Come the end of that lease of that apartment, I decided that I wanted to move out of state um, to Los Angeles. And that's something I'm working on right now. That's coming eventually. (laughs) I don't want to say when, but I've decided that I want to move to Los Angeles at some point. And to do that, I have to save all my bones, all of my money. So I, <laughs> I got in a car accident. So here's the thing. I could have been doing this while I was still there. I could still be in Lakewood right now. But I got in a car accident totaled my car in the last couple weeks of my lease. And I had to get a new car with a car payment. So it was either live in Lakewood with a car payment and don't save any money or move home with a car payment and save as much money as I can. So I chose that. It just it felt right that I would, I would come back. I would be closer to the restaurant be able to save a lot of money um to eventually move to a new city um and that's where i am right now i am in a very low season i've been battling a lot of depression and anxiety and this is a thing that i think just happens you know march was an amazing month i made over four thousand dollars but today i mean this year i think i've made just over ten Maybe and it's the end of June, so that's less than two thousand a month. That's not good. <laughs> uh, I think most of that ten was made between January and March too. So that sucks. a Lot. I think I'm making about fifteen hundred a month right now, and uh, it's hard. It's very hard. I've seldom get clients at the moment. Um, and I think a lot of it has to just do with my depression. It's preventing me from working on things. And that's something that I'm really working on. And this, this self-doubt and honestly, the motivation behind making this podcast is feeling like all of it's kind of just turned up nil and I want to figure out, okay, what do other people do and what have other people done in these seasons? And you know, they, you frequently, maybe not frequently, but I've recently been frequently hearing this parable that you kind of hit a wall right before your next big phase of growth and I think that's pretty true to like if you think about where I was in Chicago I hit a wall I moved home and then I I flourished and then I got this job at the engineering firm and I hit a wall and then I flourished and now here I am again I'm hitting a wall I haven't been able to save any money to move it's super stressful I've barely but I've like literally like I said at the beginning of this I think I have eight bucks in my bank account um it's hard man I don't have a lot of clients, but it's down to kind of getting back into that groove I was in in August and aligning myself right, doing the work I have to, talking to the people I need to, really hungering back down and finding that obsession that I had when I was a kid again um, and working at it. So that's my story as a freelancer uh, to where I am right now. If you have any questions or if you want more detail on anything, please let me know. I'll make another podcast and video about it. Um, Otherwise, please follow and subscribe and whatever else you do to podcasts, because I'm hoping to pump one of these out every week. And uh, I'm just going to start out small interviewing my friends and people I know, and eventually hopefully grow and grow in this thing more. I'm really excited for it. It's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. So I hope you enjoyed. I, uh, if you have any suggestions for people that I should talk to, it doesn't really matter who they are. Just tell me and I'll keep it in mind. Um, I would love to do that as well. And maybe I'll get into more of like just the current state of where I'm at as a freelancer, you know the day to day um in another podcast. I'd like to have a guest next week, but after that maybe i'll I'll do another solo so again, thank you so much for listening this far. I'm sure it's like two hours long by now. I talk a lot, and uh it's a long story to tell it's a it's a hard thing to to sum up in a few minutes. So thank you for bearing with my constant drinking water and the lawnmower at the beginning and all the weird sounds you're dealing with and the poor audio quality because I'm recording on an iPhone without a microphone. (laughs) And uh, I will hear from you or you will hear from me or something next week. Tight. Maybe I'll have a name by then. Bye.